Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. You are now listening to... Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. I am Alex Shane, celebrating a merciful conclusion to a pretty rough preseason for the Patriots. We are closing the books on three pretty rough games. It is time to talk about roster cutdowns. It is time to turn the tides to week one of the regular season. It is just around the corner. But first off, I would not be doing my due diligence and being a polite human being if I did not ask my good buddy, Rich Hill, how are you? Oh, you know, excited that the preseason's over. Uh, (laughs) This was like, I feel like the preseason goes one of two ways. One where it's like, okay, like here are some exciting new characters. You know, it's the new season, a new cast of people. And, like, it can either go, like, oh, cool, like, this is a a new toy that's really standing out, and, like, maybe they'll, like, be great, or uh, it'll be just completely nothing, and this was definitely a case of the latter. Like, I I think uh, we came into this preseason knowing that there will be a lot of changes, you know, like, they're installing a new offensive scheme, a whole bunch of coaching turnover, brought in some new faces, a lot of departures on the defensive side, so, like, it was going to be brand new. Uh, So there was a lot of room for potential, and it just feels to me that everywhere there was kind of a coin flip of maybe this positional group will be good, maybe this coaching will be good, uh, or maybe it'll be bad. It always landed on bad. Yeah, no, it did. Uh, You know, you want to see at least – I don't need them to light up the preseason. You know, I don't need them to have a Baltimore Ravens ridiculous, like, 20-plus game win streak of of the regular preseason games. I just want to have a couple of drives where, like, they looked great right there. Things were clicking. I wanted that preseason darling that I was really excited about, that Zach Sudfeld, that that DJ Foster, that player we all get really pumped about and then completely vanishes when the games start to matter. We didn't really get any of that this season. And it was not really the games to me, Rich, that I was really worried about because, again, the games, you, you can just take really nothing out of those. Everything's vanilla. They're experimenting with stuff. It's more just the reports we were getting about how they weren't even doing well in practice. Not even the joint practices. There's nothing was really clicking well. They had a lot of times with communication issues were, were problematic. There were some fights that got a little too out of hand. I don't know. Just this seems like a this is not setting the tone well for a successful regular season. I'm not doom and glooming it by any means because I'm not one of those guys who's going to say, oh, that's the end of the season because August didn't go that well. But I think it's fair to say the 2021 Patriots – the 2022 Patriots, excuse me, are not where we would hope they'd be coming into game one against Miami. I completely agree. I completely agree. I mean, like, first off, there isn't and wasn't a big standout anywhere. Like, you, you look up and down, like, 
who were some of the players that like had the chance to stand out you know we were like coming out of training camp Taekwon Thornton was a name that we're all like really pumped about and uh, now he's out for eight weeks with a, what is it like a fractured collarbone or something like that that's a huge bummer um, like I hope that he recovers quickly and is able to to participate then you have like Christian Wilkerson stands out in the first game uh, and then he gets targeted and like is dealing with a serious head injury from the joint practices with the Panthers that's bad like I, I, I hope that he has a speedy recovery but like that's like a worst, like a terrible scenario there. Then you have like Lil Jordan Humphrey, who's the other player that like seemed to be doing pretty well. And then like you come out against the Raiders and he kind of vanished. You know, it's like one where it's like you would have hoped that he was able to finish on a high note to be like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the first two preseason games, which are against like backups, like he can do it. And then this one, you know, against the Raiders backups, he kind of disappeared. And so like there wasn't anyone that had like consistent performances throughout all of the preseason on the offensive side of the ball. And like, you know, we give him a little bit of leeway because they're installing the new offense, but like it looked like a mess. It looked like a mess. And something that we always talk about is that you never know a Patriots team until, you know, October comes around. Because the first four weeks of the regular season and the preseason are all about figuring out what can we do. You know, like, like they're figuring out, can we implement this? Can we improve on this? Is this something that we can lean upon once it turns into winter? Uh, and then what can we, like, continue to emphasize? But at this point in time, uh, you would like to see at least a couple things that you're like, I don't know, this team can do this well, uh, and, and nothing really stood out. Mac Jones looked under pressure. The offensive line did not look good, uh, has not looked good. It's been a revolving door due to injuries as well as just availability. And, uh, yeah, I'd say that there's not a lot of positives coming out of the, the three weeks of the preseason. How about this, Rich Hill? Let's kind of make it a little more homerish. Uh, is there anything in the preseason, any player in the preseason, any group in the preseason, whatever you think kind of like stood out to you, your one kind of preseason winner, the guy that came by surprise, made the roster, you didn't think he'd make the roster, or somebody you're optimistic about? Yeah, I, I have a couple. Uh, on offense, I'll, I'll give you two. I was going to go with Ty Montgomery, uh, and so I'll like leave him out there uh, because I thought that Montgomery had like a pretty good preseason. Uh, he contributed well. They put him out there with the ones. Uh, he adds that special teams upside, and he did a great job. But now he's dealing with an ankle injury, so I, I hope that he's not going to miss too much time with it. And so the, the real one I'm going to go out with there is uh, Yoni Kahuste, who is someone who's missed the past two seasons with injuries, um, third year, third round pick. He was someone that I had no expectations for this year. Um, and he was asked to like slot in onto the offensive line. Just, you know, Trent Brown and Isaiah Wynn had varying degrees of availability. And I thought that he cemented his role as, you know, a top three tackle for this team, uh, which is, you know, more than you can ask for. And so I would say that he is my winner uh, on the offensive side of the ball. All right, that's too long. I think my offensive side of the ball, I don't really call it an offensive side of the ball, but he definitely does play offense. Uh, it's one of those stories you kind of see every year where a guy comes in and he, he does well in various positions, and I think he went around to the team. Uh, Brendan Schooler, the, I think he's a good player. I think he had a good special teams value. They saw him out there at a decent amount. I think he's the tight end, technically. I think it's his technical position, um, or safety, one of the two, whatever it is. He's uh, special teams can be off at the same time, same time. So I think Brendan Schooler has done enough to make his way onto the back end of the roster. Maybe he'll be the new, uh, the new Nate Ebner. You never know. I like that. I like that. There's always going to be a special team who makes the roster. Uh, and I think that the Patriots streak of having an undrafted player should remain intact with him. Um, 
I agree with that. I would say if, if we're staying on the offensive side of the ball, I would, I would say that I have some, some big losers uh, too. And the biggest loser I would say is Isaiah Wynn, who uh, is on his fifth year option. He's now a part of the Patriots' like trade talks. He was someone that like has clearly lost his starting left tackle job to Trent Brown and is asked to like play on the right side, and he's not playing well. Uh, this is definitely a case where you know the, that 2019 draft of the Patriots, and obviously the Patriots had a stretch of just really bad drafts. Uh, Win is just not and has not emerged as that consistent player. I am legitimately shocked that the Patriots haven't tried to move him inside, which is where he was also great in college and where his size is probably a better fit. Uh, but it just seems like a mismatch of Wynn's ability and what the Patriots are doing uh, and asking him to do. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Isaiah Wynn, uh, like, kind of just ends this year with a whimper. Yeah, it's possible. He wasn't a, I wouldn't call him a bust as a first-round pick, but whenever you draft a lineman in the first round, you want him to be, like, your franchise guy, and he's definitely not not the franchise guy. Hopefully Cole Strange is. Hopefully he's in this coming of Logan Mankins. Uh would it be weird, Rich Hill, for me to make my preseason loser Kendrick Bourne? Because I, I, I was, I'm not expecting him to light it up in the preseason, but like he didn't make the trip a couple times. You didn't see him at practice. There's nothing he really did that that stood out at all. Uh, and I'm not really worried about him, but he he went from kind of the most reliable receiver or one of the most reliable receivers for the Patriots offense last year, just kind of there. In 2022. So while I'm not pulling the plug or anything even close to that, I'm just going to be a little, uh, I guess, wary, and I'm going to monitor his reps, how they use him going forward, and try and figure out what his role in the offense is going to be in the regular season. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, like, there was a chance when they're installing this new offense that Kendrick Bourne really could have erupted in it, but he's not taking advantage of this. You mentioned earlier he got thrown out of a practice, uh, the joint practice with the Panthers, for starting a fight. So just in general, a bad preseason for him. Uh, it's very clear that the top three receivers are Jacoby Myers, uh, Nelson Aguilar, and Devontae Parker. And so uh, Bourne, who was the most consistent receiver last year, or the most efficient receiver, could have and should have had a bigger role, but it's likely that that's not going to happen. And probably Jacoby Myers is going to be the biggest beneficiary on the offensive side. Uh, looking on the defensive side of the ball, I, I my, like winners and losers are less forceful. Like, I, I think that there's a couple players that stood out, but I want to just, like, tip my hat in general to the youth on this defense because I don't know necessarily if they're going to be great. I don't have a great feeling about this defense, although I will say that, like, it wasn't bad. This was a fine defense. Um, like, they, they did a pretty good job, but generally gets backed up, so I'm not going to look into it too much. But a lot of young players that they've added to this roster, I feel like, did a really good job. Uh, I think that, like, you know, your darling Sam Roberts was outstanding over the course of the preseason. You have your uh, cornerbacks, Marcus Jones, Jack Jones, I'll include Miles Bryant into it as well, and even Sean Wade. They all did pretty well. I like Joshua Bledsoe at the safety position. He did well. LeBron Ray on the defensive line, along with Roberts, did well. So, like, you had all of these players. And the so two that I want to, like, kind of tip my hat a little bit more to are Anthony Jennings, um, as well as Josh Uche, who are two players that are going to have to step up on this defense if this team is going to have any success whatsoever. Uh, and effectively, they're going to be replacing the Kyle Van Noy and Dante Hightower on this defense. And that is a huge and very, very tall order. And uh, 
dare I say that they were two of the more consistent players on defense this preseason. I wouldn't say that they're like great by any means, but they were after the quarterback. They were making tackles. And I, I think that they uh, they did enough that I feel like the Patriots can feel pretty solid at that linebacker spot. Um, when you add in Mac Wilson, when you add in uh, Jawan Bentley, uh, and you add in Raekwon McMillan, you have a, a group of five linebackers right there that like are pretty okay. And I, I think that's all you can ask for from this like positional group that we kind of thought pretty weakly of at the start of the preseason. Absolutely. I think serviceable is probably the best word to use the linebacker for right now. They're serviceable. I think they're only going to get better, barring injury. And the good news is I think the strength of this unit is the defensive line. I think they're very deep at defensive line. They have a lot of good talent at defensive line with Matthew Judon coming off the edge. The emergence of Sam Roberts, Godshaw, and Guy in the middle. Um, you know, not to mention Christian Barmore. I think they have some really, really good players on the interior line. So hopefully the linebackers won't be as taxed and strained as they have been in years past. Maybe they won't be asked to do quite as much as Belichick usually demands out of them. Uh, in terms of my big preseason loser or losers on the defensive side of the ball, this might be easy, low-hanging fruit, but I'm going to do the combination of the IR darlings, Malcolm Butler and Joe John Williams. Um, you don't want to see Malcolm Butler come back and then immediately go to IR. I don't know if it was an actual injury or just a, you're not cutting it, we're going to do right by you uh, and bury any rumors. But I want to see Malcolm Butler have one last ride. That'll be really fun to see. And I think Joe John Williams has played his last down as a Patriot. Cut bait with that guy. So he had a good chance to improve himself this season, and he ended up on IR instead. So that is the exact opposite of what you wanted to see. Yep, totally agreed with that, uh, which is just very disappointing. Uh, but, you know, as you said, at least there's, like, some positive depth behind them. I think, honestly, this is going to be another transition year, uh, like, and that's, like, kind of the mentality that I'm pro approaching this season with, you know, where it's like, okay, 2020 was a full reboot year. You know, they, they had Cam Newton under center. They had to, like, shed a lot of cap space. I thought last year was going to be, like, a first big building block year with Mac Jones under center. And then this year in his second season, I was hoping that they would take the step forward. Um, but I kind of feel like this is going to be just yet another rebuilding year um, where they're going to have a lot of youth all over, uh, you know, and, and like that's part of what they needed to do. They had some older players, uh, you know, with Dante Hightower, include Devin McCourty in there. There's going to be some turnover, uh, you know, and then Kyle Van Noy, Lawrence Guy. These are all players that have been contributors, but they're getting up there in age, and the team needed to figure out who is going to replace them. I wouldn't be surprised if this is a year where, you know, all the coaches are getting, like, their first-hand chance here. So will a lot of the younger players. And then I think the Patriots have, like, top five cap space for 2023. And so this will be, just like last year, just a big case of like, okay, who's worth retaining? Let's have some continued growth and pro progress and see where we are. Um, but I, I like, I, I don't think I'm looking too far into like what happened during this preseason or during this off season, because as you said, this isn't just the games. It's been what's been going on during the practice. And this is just going to be another growing pains year, which is fine. You know, like that, that's all you can really expect with a young roster or young uh, quarterback is. And then you just hope that they continue to grow and that this won't stunt his growth. Um, and that's probably where my biggest concern is <laughs> coming out of this preseason is uh, how will Matt Patricia as the offensive play caller and the offensive line coach 
honestly the two most important positions for a young quarterback's ability to succeed, which is offensive line play and then offensive play calling to put him in a place to succeed. Uh, the two biggest pieces uh, are under Matt Patricia's purview. Uh, Alec, do you have any hope that Patricia is going to be able to pull it off? That's a good question, Rich. I mean, if there's ever a football equivalent of having to move back in with your parents, it's what you saw with Matt Patricia here. He's not Evan seems like an offensive genius. He's replacing Dante Scarnecchia, the greatest offensive line coach of all time. I know it's been out for a couple of years, but still, like I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I know the Patriots are really good at doing kind of the no huddle and calling plays to the line. Maybe Mac Jones learns enough and grows enough as a sophomore to be able to take reins a little bit more and read the defenses a little better as he continues to develop and, and call the plays to the line a bit more. If they're going to be a very run-heavy team using a lot of tight end motions, not a lot of elaborate crazy plays, not like that fly high flying kind of 07 Brady run offense of 2007, 2011. Yeah. Maybe they could, they could keep it easy and keep it effective. Uh, I only worry is I know you talked earlier before we started the podcast about how Patricia has kind of an ego on him and how he's this rocket scientist, this really smart guy. And sometimes people that are really smart that have egos want to show the world how smart they are and they don't need to keep it simple when they should keep it simple. So my only concern is that the Patriots start losing a couple of games. They scrap it and they show, all right, I'll pull out the old, annexation of Puerto Rico play from Little Giants, and that'll just be just a disaster. So hopefully it'll be a good balance of egos and the realization that, yes, we're probably in year two of maybe a three-year rebuild, and as long as we're making positive strides forward and maybe continuing to install an offense that is missing a couple pieces, they'll be able to get next year with that cap space. All's going to be well, and they got to keep in mind the Patriots we saw over the last 20 years, that's not normal football. It just isn't Super Bowl or bust every single year. That's an insane way to live your life as a fan. And we were blessed to have the opportunity. So it's actually in a weird way kind of refreshing to take this 22 season, 2022 season as, all right, we're in the process. We want to see more positive steps. Nobody thinks the path to win Super Bowl this year. Maybe they go all the way. It's always possible. You never know in the NFL. But if they can make some positive strides, they can even get ousted from the playoffs early again. I don't care about that. It's more just like, do we see development from the core players? And are the guys who are going to be around next year in position to make a positive contribution so when the guys come in that are 2023 free agents and signings and whatnot, they can be a potential force? I completely agree. And so I, I think like the, the next big question then is who do we think is going to make the roster? Who are, do we think are the players that are going to have the opportunity to grow this year and prove that they can be a part of this multi-year rebuild uh, where hopefully there will just be continued growth this season? Um, but Alec, you, you have a 53-man projection. Uh, I, I would love to hear it. All right. I have way too much time on my hands, so I did a couple of iterations of these, and I'm, I'm pretty happy with what we have right now. I'm sure we'll disagree in some of the, the back end of the roster spots, but I'm going to read off by position and tell me where I'm right. Tell me where I'm wrong, Rich. Ready to go? Cool. Yep. All right. Let's start easy. Do the quarterback position. I'm keeping all three. Mac Jones, Brian Moyer, Bailey Zappi. Anything wrong with that one? Nope. I completely agree. All right. I figured you would. Let's go to the special teams. Another pretty much a lock. we got Matthew Slater, Justin Bethel, Jake Bailey, Nick Folk, Joe Cardona, and then Brendan Schooler making the roster as the undrafted guy. I like that. I completely agree. All right. Wow. This is going easy. Uh, let's go with running backs. Maybe there's a disagreement here. Uh, I see it as Damon Harris, Ramondre Stevenson at the top of the roster, and then Ty Montgomery and Pierre Strong with Montgomery's injury being a kind of X factor here. I think he'll be okay. I can't see him as a short-term IR guy, but he's definitely on the roster come cutdowns. 
Yeah, yeah. My my big question mark comes with uh, JJ Taylor. I think Kevin Harris is a prime practice squad candidate. I think that he showed up pretty well in his very limited opportunities this preseason. But I also think that JJ Taylor gives them a skill set that's a little bit different from the other running backs on the roster. And Ty Montgomery's availability is going to be big for that. I think Taylor, you know, knows the system. He's been around for a little bit. Uh, I, I think he's someone that could sneak onto the roster depending on what they view of uh, of Ty Montgomery's availability and where he starts the season. All right. I like that. I love to see J.J. Taylor. I think maybe if, if Montgomery can't make it, J.J. Taylor takes that that spot. If he can make a short-term IR kind of thing, I definitely see that. I was hoping Kevin Harris would do more with his reps, but, yeah, he's a practice squad guy through and through. Uh, let's go to receivers, staying with the offense. I've got Jacoby Myers, Kendrick Bourne, Devontae Parcher, Nelson Aguilar, Tyguan Thornton, and Lil Jordan Humphrey, with Thornton going on the IR immediately and then maybe picking Wilkerson back up once that happens. Yep. I, I agree with that, too. I think uh, I might consider Trey Nixon to be another pre uh, practice squad candidate. And then Christian Wilkerson is a player that I'd monitor as well. Just based off of his injury, I wouldn't be surprised if he starts the season on the uh, the IR. And, like, could be a later activation if someone gets healthy. But I, I think that Wilkerson uh, will be on the team in some capacity. Uh, but it might be a later point in the season. The position I struggle with the most, Rich, making this is the tight end position. We've got Hunter Henry and John Smith, obviously, but after that, it's a lot of question marks. And so I ultimately ended up with just those two guys, and those are for my tight ends. Yep. Yeah, that's like a great question. I, I think part of it is that like I think that Devin Asiasi will make the roster uh, because you know that it'd be risky just going with two. You're you know you're two multi-mega million dollar tight ends and then have nothing behind them. Um, I, I agree, though, that this is a very top-heavy position. There's a chance that maybe these tight ends you know, get stashed on the practice squad and they could be a game day elevation uh, if they need to keep a roster spot available for someone else. And also you have little, little Jordan Humphrey who's like bigger and he can play that kind of like hybrid Tim Wright-esque role. Um, but I, I would say I would expect Asiasi to make the, the roster uh, just because I, I think, especially with no fullback position on the roster, having at least three of these bigger blockers is going to be important when they get down to the goal line, when you also factor in that, like, this offensive tackle positional group is also a question mark. I'm glad you brent that, Rochelle, because that was my next order of business, the offensive line. Uh, when Asiasi was making my roster in previous possession uh, uh, iterations of this list, I had seven offensive linemen. But given the rotation it had, the injuries and the, the kind of back-and-forth plug-and-play guys it had, I have eight offensive linemen making the roster. I've got starters of Trent Brown, Cole Strange, David Andrews, Michael Wenu, and I say a win as your starters. And behind them, I've got Kajuste, Cody Russi, and then Justin Heron. Just missing the cut is my boy James Friends, who might be back midseason. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I wouldn't be surprised if Ferentz makes the initial roster, mostly because I feel like uh, – Eight offensive linemen is pretty light. I feel like nine is something that they kind of go with. I like Cody Rusty as making the uh, initial roster. Um, Arlington Hambright is the player that I would be watching out for as someone who could also make it. Uh, just because uh, going in with just one interior lineman backup in Rusty uh, is kind of a, a challenge. I typically would expect them to, to carry two backups on the interior and two on the tackle. So I might put Hambright in on that, that roster. Uh, and I know that I'm bulking up your 53 man positional group by like two or three people so far. So I, yeah. uh, there will be other adjustments that have to be made. Well, 
Let's go to the back of the defense since we're on the front of the offense. Start with the safety position. We got Devin McCourty, Kyle Duggar, Adrian Phillips, and Jabril Peppers as your four safeties. And I, I want to hang on one more safety in there. And I think it's going to be Josh Bledsoe. Yep. I agree with that. I agree with that too. And then I, I, can you remind me, did you have Cody Davis on as a special team safety? I did not. Cody Davis did not make the roster. Gotcha. I, I would uh, put Cody Davis as a lock uh, as a special teamer for the, this group. Um, and I, I think that means that this is going to be a pretty deep safety roster. Um, with both Cody Davis and Brendan Schooler as like special team players who like can play defense in an extreme pinch. Uh, but I, I think that I might personally go lighter at the the linebacker position than usual in order to ensure that all of these safeties go. Um, but I, I think that they have five people who can play defense defense uh, in, in the players that you mentioned. Um, and then you add in Davis and Schooler as special teamers that uh, I wouldn't be surprised by. You'd go light at linebacker, Rich. I have six linebackers on the roster. I have Matthew Judon on the linebacker core. Josh Uche, Jawan Bentley as the captain. Raekwon McMillan, Mac Wilson, and Anthony Jennings as my linebacker. You'd go lighter there for room for more safeties. Yeah, I guess like uh, it depends on where you consider Judon. I think that like it's hard to choose any of those players to to remove. You know, it's hard to. If I had to pick one to say isn't going to make the roster, it would be McMillan, uh, just because I think Wilson provides more upside on the the special team side than McMillan does. Um, but I, I, I think that uh, McMillan would be the one that I would say, you know, doesn't make the roster. Uh, I think Bentley is a lock. I think that Jennings, as we talked about earlier, Jennings and Uche stood out enough. And Mac Wilson did a great job, even though he was technically like behind McMillan in the defensive depth chart as far as play calling go. Um, but I, I think that with the option of Adrian Phillips and Jabril Peppers to play that off ball linebacker position, which they likely will. I think that McMillan doesn't make the cut because he plays the same role as Bentley does. Uh, and I, I think the other linebackers play, uh, have a little bit more flexibility than he does. Still leaving room for Dante Hightower to come back. I know it's going to happen. <laughs> At least I hope so. I've been, I've been preaching this since the very beginning. I'll look quite the fool if he doesn't come back. So maybe, maybe McMillan gets bumped for Hightower. Who knows? Uh, let's go to the cornerback position. This is probably their biggest question mark for me in terms of like the starters are locked in but who goes behind them we talked earlier in the podcast about how well the youth is playing so we've got a lot of joneses we've got jonathan marcus and jack jones all making the cut jalen mills obviously miles bryant sean wade and terrence mitchell that's my cornerbacks oh i think mitchell doesn't make the cut here uh i think that's the the one the odd man out because like the three Joneses uh, are going to be locks, I agree, um, and two of them are going to be starters with Jalen Mills as the other starter, and Jack Jones is going to be a top backup. Um, but I think when it comes to what can people do, uh, you know, Miles Bryant, Sean Wade, there's just so much youth here that, like, might not make the team. Um, and so I'd, I'd be very surprised. I think that Bryant does make the roster um, – like the way that I kind of envision is like, okay, you have your two slot guys. You have your Marcus Jones and Miles Bryant as your like interior slot guys. You have Jonathan Jones who can play inside and out. Uh, then you have Jalen Mills uh, as, as well as Jack Jones as your outside guys. Um, I think Terrence Mitchell doesn't provide more upside. Like honestly, I might keep Sean Wade over over Terrence Mitchell at this point. Um, but I also don't think that Sean Wade will make the roster. I think he's my first cornerback off. Um, but I, I would keep the the three Joneses, Mills, and Bryant. So just five cornerbacks for you. That would be a very light Bethel year. Bethel as a special teamer who like adds depth at that position. All right. I think that would be a very uh, – might be a new record for Belichick. He only picked five cornerbacks because he drafts at least five every year regardless. Yeah. So 
Kirsten. And that only leaves us with one last position, unless I got everybody correctly. We're at the defensive line, the heart of the defense. I have Christian Barmore, Lawrence Guy, Harry Anderson, David Godshaw, Dietrich Wise, and my boy Sam Roberts. That's uh, that I mean, it's hard. I I I have uh for mine. You have Barmore, Godshaw, and Guy as the starters. Uh, Wise definitely will make the team. You have those big four. Uh, yeah, I think. Uh, Ray and Roberts are two players that I would like to have on the team. I think Ekwale will start on the season as a, on the suspension list. I, I, I think that uh, there is likelihood in my mind that some of these veterans are going to like stick around unsigned as like there's going to be roster moves to start the year. I think that having Ray or Roberts squeeze onto the practice squad, I would be surprised by. So I wouldn't be surprised if another veteran gets cut in order to keep these players around, at least until the practice squads are set and then have a little bit more shuffling. Um, but this is hard. I, I think that this team is also going to rely heavily on their defensive line uh, to help improve their defensive run stuffing which has historically just been not good. Um, and so I, I think that they're going to need to, uh, you know, keep these bigger bodies on their defensive front. And, like, they also weren't great. Uh, there's, like, a lot left to be desired. So, like, do you go with all the veterans or do you go with the, the younger players? Or, um, you know, do we just concede that this is also not going to be a strength other than, like, Godshaw and Barmore? as your two guys that like you can definitely rely on. Uh, so I, I think that Jeremiah Farms is going to be on the practice squad. I think Ray and Roberts will wind up on the practice squad in some capacity. Um, but I, I think that this team ultimately keeps uh, about five defensive linemen uh, with Barmore, Godshaw, Guy, uh, and Wise being four of them, and then one of Ray and Roberts. All right, so you say Henry Anderson's out, huh? Yep. All right. I like him. He's a veteran guy, but, you know, he's the only thing I only uh, reason I picked him on. I think he's like a one million dead cap hit if, he, if they cut him and they're up against it already as it is. And he kind of brings a resident presence. But if they if they lose him, I'm not going to lose any sleepover. It's not like he like massively stood out. You won't see Bill Murray on my roster list. Unfortunately, my dream of Caddyshack Oaks went away. I've, I've accepted it, but that's all right. Overall, again, I think this roster, you know, we'll know soon. Roster cutdowns are this afternoon. So we'll have the projected 53 by this time tomorrow for sure. This isn't a bad roster, Rich. It's not like this is like a, a, a bottom of the of the league roster, but it's a very stacked AFC. This is not one of the best teams in the AFC in 2022. There are some good players on here with room for growth. Uh, but I think that this is just a roster of a lot of guys that have a lot of upside, uh, and it could go either way. So as we close out our preseason podcasts, let's talk about the regular season very, very briefly. I know a lot can happen. Injuries, trades, whatever. The whole season's ahead of us. Anything can go down. But if you had to give a floor and ceiling for the 2022 Patriots based on what you know right now, what would you say for win-loss record? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a that's a hard one um, because I, I feel like when you look at this this Patriots schedule, I believe it's a pretty hard one. Um, this is not a like a cakewalk. There's a very real chance, you know, with their games against the the Dolphins, you have Steelers, Ravens, Packers. Like they could start own four, and I wouldn't be surprised. Um, so like this is a pretty tough draw for them. Um, and then like their close to the year, you got Vikings, Bills, Cardinals, Raiders, Bengals, Dolphins, and Bills again. Like this this could be rough like it, it really does depend on what their growth is over the course of the year but like 
from a floor perspective, I could like this could be a you know five and twelve team. Like I wouldn't Oof. be shocked uh, just based off of this. Like if they beat like the Steelers, the Lions, potentially the Browns and Bears, and like the Jets, then like that was it. I'd be like, yeah, I get that. I get that. Like the other teams are like better coached, better rosters. But, like, this is also a Bill Belichick team, and they have a tendency to, you know, get better as the season goes on. And I, you know, until proven otherwise, that has always generally been the case. Like, you know, until, unless there's, like, massive amounts of injuries, this team will always continue to improve. And so, like, what's the ceiling for this one? Probably, you know, 10 and 7 again. Uh, you know, if... <laughs> 11 and six if you know the offense just clicks earlier than expected but i i think that this is a team that will likely finish you know within a game or two of 500 um and it really just matters on you know can matt jones continue to take the step forward how willing is matt patricia to you know receive feedback and adjust and make sure that matt jones continues to grow and then for all of these 50 50 players that we've been talking about of like in these linebackers they're fine uh this cornerback group there's a lot of youth uh, who's going to step up uh, at the offensive side of the ball. You got these wide receivers and tight ends that like, will they be able to put it together? They, they've had like one off good games. Uh, like that's been the story of the past couple of years as you know, one of them has a breakout one game, but like there's been no consistency from that position since like Edelman and Gronk left. And so like, will this team be able to build any sort of consistency and if that's the case then i could see them you know pushing more for that wild card spot but this year best case scenario is a wild card i kind of have them out of the playoff picture uh and just being a game around 500 all right so a floor of five wins and a ceiling of 10 or 11 wins from rich hill a 5 and 12 season will be quite the disaster i'm not gonna lie to you uh, I think I agree with you on the ceiling. I think 11 wins is probably the the peak for this team. The concern that some people have, have espoused to me that I'm not sure I agree with, but at least understand where they're coming from, is they're concerned that have we seen at least close to Mac Jones's ceiling in terms of his like athleticism, his accuracy, et cetera. Is he going to get more athletic and more mobile as the seasons go on? He's going to get smarter. The game's going to slow down for him, which will help with decision-making and his ability to read the defenses a lot more. But in an era of Josh Allen's and Patrick Mahomes is in the AFC, Russell Wilson's in the AFC now, is that kind of model of quarterback not going to be able to keep up with the mobile quarterbacks that can do amazing things? I don't know. We'll soon see. I still say the pocket passers are better than the athletic passers because they can have more longevity. In terms of a floor for me, I think seven wins is probably a floor for me. I can see him winning seven games. They always seem to split with the Bills, even though the Bills are better than they are this year. So maybe they'll pull one out of Buffalo again. Miami swept them last year. I don't see that happening again. So I can see him pulling like a seven and a seven and ten season to be out of the playoffs. And every year, even in 2020, it was kind of a mess. The Patriots are always in these games late. There's always these one or two or maybe even three games where a couple of bounces go their way or a couple don't go their way, and that ends up deciding the game. And the Patriots were kind of on the wrong end of a lot of those weird plays in 2021, which makes me believe they're on the right side of those plays for 2022. So if they can get a couple of those close games go their way for those last-second field goals or that late interception or bounce that seals the win, they can get to 11 wins. 12 wins would be an absolutely amazing season, but 12 wins won't even be enough to win the AFC East. This is the Bills' division to lose. It's the Bills' conference to lose, honestly, with the AFC West being what it is. They're going to all eat each other up. So the Bills should take the number one seed in the AFC See the Patriots 11 and 6 and a wild card berth. I'll take it. 
maybe get an upset, make some noise in the divisional round, that'd be a great season for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I, I think that the what you said earlier in the podcast of like Super Bowl or bust is no longer the expectation, uh, especially as there's this ongoing rebuild. Like what I would consider a big win of the year is if Mac Jones continues to develop, if Johnny Smith. Uh, and the other wide receivers are able to be like reliable contributors. If there's some consistency on offense, I would consider that to be a big win. If on the defensive side of the ball, you know, you have Uche and Jennings, and then you have the the two Joneses that are rookies, uh, and then as well as like Duggar's continued growth. Like, if there is like development from those players, where they go from being, you know just a guy into being someone that you're like okay cool cool yeah this is someone that you can rely on like that is not out of the question and is something that i would consider to be a big whim because you know this is a multi-year rebuild and then like maybe next year is the year you know like there will be a lot of money to go around for retaining the players that deserve it and like perhaps that ongoing development is going to be just for next year uh, you know, as as you said, like the AFC West is going to continue to cannibalize itself. Uh, you're going to have like the Ravens having to give out huge money to Lamar Jackson. Like there is a scenario where next year is the Patriots' best year to like start their recompetition. And so, just seeing continued development and growth from all of these players, I, I think would, in my mind, be considered a win. Absolutely. And this is what it's all about. Again, it's multiple years, seeing growth from last year to this year. Wins and losses aren't as important as they used to be. It's all about progression and team building and guys you want to keep around for a serious title run. Maybe as early as 2023, but I really like to hope the Patriots of 2024 will be ready to go. And there's no way the Bills can keep being up against the cap and still giving out $1,200 million contracts. I don't know how they do it. They're going to go away eventually. And the page, I think, are very well built for a, a good run going forward. And, Rich, as always, I am very excited to break down this season with you this year. I'm excited to come back to you next week as we break down week one of the NFL and the Patriots traveling to their favorite place in the world, Miami. Ooh, yeah, first game, September 11, Sunday, 1 p.m., Patriots at Miami. Alec, I'm looking forward to breaking it down with you. Until next time, you have a good one. You too, buddy. See you. Later. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical.